guys, do we all agree that generally speaking, if someone is a flawed individual, but they highlight their flaws before you discover them for yourselves, do we all agree that usually when they do that, it almost mitigates stroke, minimizes their their flaw? I've just found that to be the case. If someone tells me what their flaw is before I discover it for myself, it just lessens the impact. And in that spirit, I want you to be aware that this week, I'm going to share a story with you that is a true story that happened this, when was it? It happened, happened two days ago. It's an incident involving gender stereotyping, gender politics, and my opinion on both of the aforementioned things will probably surprise you a little bit, but... It is what it is, and I'm going to share that story with you, and I just want to flag that now so that it lessens the blow, because I'm a coward. Fortunately, however, I'm also going to share a completely unrelated story that happened today, in fact, that'll make you think, good old CK, you know, he might have questionable views on gender inequality, but at least when it comes to you know, at least when it comes to moral fibre, he's not willing to just sell his ass in order to be featured in the UK's biggest newspaper, which I still don't know if I made the right decision about that. But I'm going to share that story with you too. Additionally, I'll be premiering a new feature in this week's show. The time is now 11pm on Thursday the 27th of August. So as you can see, I'm getting no better at recording these I'm getting no better recording these episodes earlier and do you want to know the honest reason for that yeah the last cu- the, the last couple of weeks my mood hasn't been as buoyant as I would like and that is why I think I might have a drink problem here's the thing right I don't want to make light of drink problems and say, oh, I've got a drink problem because I I genuinely have not got a drink problem. Let me just give you, let, let me just give you some context when I say I don't have a drink problem. For as long as I can remember, I've been the guy who goes to a party, goes out with his mates to a bar, whatever. I've always been the guy that stops drinking first, right? Because I'm the guy for, give me two pints and I'm bored of the taste. That's just always been my way. I won't always stop at two. Sometimes I might have five or six, but usually everyone else will be on the 20th and the 22nd, right? But I stopped like five or six. I'm just not that bothered about booze. That notwithstanding, I've realized during the last two episodes that hanging out and chatting with you with a beer is actually just really nice. So about an hour ago, I thought, right, I need to record this week's podcast. Do you know what? I really need a beer. <laughs> I've never thought, I just never think I need a beer, but I've just realised I just like recording this with a beer. So today, if you want to give it a go, next time you're in Sainsbury's, I have Sainsbury's Taste the Difference London Porter. I'm a huge fan. I love porters. How do you feel about porters? I discovered them quite late in life. Very late in life, in fact. But I just love them. I love the bitterness with a little hint of sweet. So this, as I say, is Sainsbury's Taste the Difference London Porter, 500ml, 5% volume, and I'm going to give it a sip. 
and let you know. Oh, that is masterful. That, that is absolutely masterful. Jesus, that's glorious. How are you? If you want my score out of 10, I'm going to give this. Mm. I'm going to give this an 8.1 out of 10. This is really nice. Give it a go if you're into porters, and, but don't if you're not. How's your week been? I have had a mixed one. I hope, however, that this podcast will give me 40-odd minutes of escapism from my own thoughts, which I'll share with you as we go along. I... I'm also going to be going over your comments following last week's episode where I put to you the dilemma about the attractive pill. If there was a pill that would make you a 10 out of 10 in looks, would you take it? It had some incredibly thoughtful and introspective comments. Some of them public on Twitter and some of them were sent to me via direct message. One of them was particularly lengthy and and really a little bit saddening that someone would, I don't know if beat themselves up is the right word, but it was a little bit saddening that someone had such a low view of themselves. And it put into perspective, it put into perspective, are you one of those, are you one of those people whereby like you will beat yourself up all day long, but when other, when other people do it, about the same thing that you beat yourself up for, all of a sudden you find it anathema and you hate it. It's like, stop saying that about yourselves. Meanwhile, you're saying it about, you're saying it about yourself all the time. The hypocrisy is alarming, but I'm as guilty of that as you are. So when this person sent me direct message, being hard on herself and her looks, I was like, nobody should be saying that about themselves. But I'm here I am last week giving myself a 6-2. Who am I kidding? I'm clearly an 8-9. And by the way, can I just say... Not that I was fishing, but the fact that I gave myself a 6-2 last week and not a single person DM me saying, CK, to be fair, you're more than a 6-2. I I definitely wouldn't say no. I'd put you in a like high eights. The fact none of you said that, you can all, you can all basically go fuck yourself. (laughs) Again, I'm not saying I was fishing, but equally, I might have been. So yeah, we're going to go through your direct messages and I'll be sharing that message from a newish listener who has been saying some beautiful things about the podcast recently. So I'll, be, I'll let you know what she said on DM in a bit. So here's the thing. This week has been, I think I might have, I think I might have a addictive personality and it's, it's something I've become aware of. Maybe in the last, maybe in the last year or so, but bearing in mind this podcast is only now, is this episode 33? I think this is episode 33 and it's just become, it's just consumed my attention. It's all I think about recently to the point whereby it's all I'm bothered about on Twitter, just kind of finding out where the podcast 
websites are and what they're all talking about and joining the conversations, you know, designing my own visual assets and marketing assets to accompany each episode, you know, the little audio clips that I put on Instagram, the visuals that I use to communicate your beautiful quotes. Like I do all those myself and it's just all consuming. And I suppose it's been helped by the fact that more people are discovering this podcast and saying some really beautiful things, which by the way, is I don't want you to underestimate how motivating it is for me when you say nice things on online. Now, I, I'm de- I know I joke a lot, but I'm not saying this because I want you to do more of it. That's not what I'm doing. That's not what I'm doing this for at all. I just know as someone that really enjoys and connects with other creators, I sometimes... I sometimes think it's nice for the creators to let me or other people know that we appreciate them. And I genuinely appreciate all the nice things you say. And when you tell people about my podcast and you retweet it or, you know, whenever you just tweet me and just say what you thought about. And even when you tell me, I think what you said there was bollocks. I love that as much as when you tell me I am the second coming. I love both equally because it's engaging. Don't forget, I'm doing this podcast on my own, so I'm just throwing shit at the wall. These are my genuine thoughts, and if they connect, they connect, but I don't know unless you tell me, so thank you sincerely. I've lost my train of thought. What was I just talking about? <laughs> yes, I've become, yes, I've become slightly fixated, and by, by, by virtue of that, I got to the point this week when I thought, okay, well, it's it, maybe it's time to just kind of do what you do best and PR the podcast, reach out to some platforms, reach out to them, some press because my weekly, well, not my weekly feature, but the feature I do occasionally called random human where I ring 11 digits at random and ask a member of the public, ask whoever answers a question about life, love, hopes, dreams, whatever a question. I thought, well, that's quite novel. That's quite unique. There's some, there's a story in there somewhere. Just reach out to platforms, publications, see if anybody wants to talk about the crazy guy. Now, obviously with me being a publicist, when I'm not doing my art and my stuff, I knew that the story needed a hook. So I decided, well, I didn't decide it was true. I decided I was going to attach my story to telephobia. And telephobia is a real thing that I never knew existed until about three weeks ago and someone else was tweeting about it. And telephobia, I can't be asked to go and start reading what it means to you on Google, so please feel free to Google it yourself. But telephobia is people who have a a real anxiety and fear over making and receiving phone calls. And I never knew it existed. And usually the cause of telephobia is mostly based on the fear of judgment. So for example, it's it's rife in customer service. So when somebody needs to ring customer service, maybe to complain about something, then that causes huge anxiety. Or if somebody needs to, which really surprised me, if somebody needs to make a doctor's appointment, just something as innocuous as making a doctor's appointment can elicit great anxiety in some people. And it's not even a case of the fact it's a doctor and it might have some they might discover things about their health, which is not favourable. It's nothing to do with that. It's just the calling of a stranger really generates anxiety in some people. And I never knew telephobia was a thing. So I put out a tweet saying, is this real? 
And so many people replied to that tweet saying, trust me, CK, telephobia is very real. I suffer from it. I feel anxiety having to ring customer service, as I just said, having to ring the doctor's appointment, as I just said. And it just blew my mind. And this was one of the reasons that I really wanted to do my feature, Random Human, because twofold, I was fascinated by, is there any merit in fearing the response of a stranger? But two, it's just nice to put those phone calls out there when they're positive. And, you know, if anyone with telephobia hears my phone calls, it'll be, it'll make him think, oh, actually ringing, ringing randoms, ringing ran- random people can be nice. So when I was reaching out to press and publications today, telling them about my feature, Random Human, I said, I did this as a result of telephobia, which I did. But I knew that that was more interesting than me just going out and saying I'm ringing random students, r- random people. So my point is, I included the research on telephobia in my press release when I was reaching out to um, newspapers and stuff. And believe it or not, the UK, a reporter stroke journalist at the UK's biggest newspaper got back to me. And it's the Metro I'm talking about. And they said, thanks for your press release. CK, would you be open to writing a first person story on your battle with telephobia? And we pay 70 quid for all contributors. I've written for the Metro before, so I knew that anyway, but I wasn't really expecting them to ask me to do that. I just thought they were just going to write the story of me and my podcast and my feature, Random Human. I didn't expect in a million years they were going to invite me to write an article for their metro.co.uk so this isn't for print this is for digital which is what I've written for before so when they came back with that I was like oh oh um this is awkward because I don't suffer from telephobia sure when I'm ringing these people it feels a little bit odd and there's a little bit of that there's butterflies in my stomach but I absolutely don't suffer from telephobia so I think they just there were there was crosswise between what was in the press release that my that my, that, cause my, my mate stroke assistant does all my media outreach. Right. So she reached out to them and then they emailed her back saying, would CK like to do this first person piece? And it was, it was a bit difficult. Let me be honest with you. This is the thought I had. So I'm like, the reason I set this press release in the first place was because I'm super proud of our little thing here with this podcast and I would like more people to know about it. So I thought the best way to do that is to go to press and media. So here is the biggest newspaper in the UK and they want to write a piece or they want me to write a piece on my telephobia. And I'm just thinking, imagine the eyeballs that I'll get on my podcast. There's one problem with that. However, I don't fucking have telephobia. (laughs) I was like, ugh. But my next thought was, well, pretend you fucking got telephobia then, dude. And this is the dilemma that I faced this week. Let me just get a sip of my porter. One second. This is the dilemma I faced. And I'm not proud of this, but I just thought, "Mm, just, just pretend you've got it then. Just pretend you've got telephobia. Agree to the article. Write the article. Pocket the 70 quid and go and buy some Facebook ads to promote the, to, to promote <laughs> to promote the, the podcast further and i was like nah but here's the thing my nah it didn't come from a place of morals per se i don't know why this podcast is suddenly bringing out the honesty in me i don't i don't much care for this but my nah 
didn't necessarily come from a place of morals. It more came from a place of ego. And it was like, well, I don't really want... I don't really want a story in the public domain that I have telephobia. Because in truth, not that I'm dismissive. And if you do suffer from telephobia, then obviously I would rather that you didn't because I suspect it causes you enormous stress. But I... I I, I only knew telephobia was a thing in the last three weeks. I'm still trying to get my head around it. I'm still trying to get my head around having anxiety over, for example, calling a doctor surgery. Now, I don't have that anxiety, but obviously hundreds, maybe thousands of people do. So I, so I can't necessarily relate, but I appreciate that that's the thing that some people have. So, you know... Because I'm still getting my head around telephobia and I don't necessarily, and, 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 and I'm still unaware of the full magnitude of it. I don't necessarily want an article out there saying that I have it. Not because I think it's anything to be ashamed of. It's not that at all. It's just, why would I want an inaccurate story about me? It's just, why would I? Right? So that was the reason that I declined, but I did counter their offer by saying I would love as an alternative to maybe write three ways to love phone calls with strangers. Because as I shared with you in the very, very first, the first edition of Random Stranger, I can't remember what episode it was now, but the first time I did Random Human, sorry, not Random Stranger, the first time I did Random Human, I told you that there were some things that I'd do to heighten my chances of having a great interaction. And you know, there's no reason I can't share those with Metro readers, specifically telephobia sufferers. So I countered their offer. I declined their original one and I said, well, Abby did. Abby said CK would like to maybe write a piece on how you can get more enjoyment from your calls to strangers. So that was sent this evening and I've not heard back from Rosie, who was the journalist yet. And I suspect I won't because she said in the email that she's away from the office for the next two days. So she'll get back to us. Um, but yeah, it'd be really nice. It'd be really nice to write the article actually. And I concede from a journalistic point of view, my alternative probably isn't as compelling, meaty or juicy as someone with telephobia talking about how it manifests, how they struggle with it and why they're doing this ridiculous thing and calling strangers. That is a properly good story. But my version is not as juicy, but I think it is valuable and there's merit to it. So I've been fascinated. I've been fascinated to see whether they pick me up on my offer or whether they tell me to go and fuck myself for wasting their time. <laughs> I don't know. What would you have done in that situation? If you were me, you wanted to shine a light on your podcast, which you're super proud of. You wanted more people to be aware of it. You reached out to the Metro. You told them about your feature. They got the wrong end of the stick and thought that you suffer from telephobia, offered you £70 to talk about your telephobia. Can I just say the £70 is totally inconsequential to me. I'm, I'm not really asked. It's just the it's just the eyeballs that I'd get on my podcast via the Metro. Would you have taken that opportunity and written the podcast and written the article, excuse me, and pretended you had telephobia? <laughs> because you know that it's going to get new eyeballs, potentially hundreds, maybe thousands on your podcast. Should I have taken it? There's a question. Should I have taken it and pretended to have telephobia, humans? You know what to do. Send me a message. Send me a tweet. 
Um, thing is, that's the kind of that's the kind of dilemma that I would normally, I would normally agonised over that dilemma for like because I know that that journalist isn't going to see the response for another two days. So technically, I could have thought about it for another two days, but as we all know, I'm a massive overthinker and I'm becoming acutely aware of the drawbacks of overthinking. It stresses me out. I don't like it. So I just wanted to just get that out of the way. And I just declined. I just declined the offer today and knowing that I I don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, But yeah, genuinely curious as to whether you'd have just taken the op. Let me know. So that is the situation that I alluded to at the top of the show that make you think, oh, good old CK, not willing to sell his soul in order to get some eyeballs on his podcast. Now, let me tell you the story which is going to make you think I'm a giant bell end. Perhaps. I needed a new portable speaker this week. And I went to, is it TK Maxx or TJ? No, TK Maxx. If you live in Sheffield, you'll know it, right? If you don't, never mind. But TK Maxx in Sheffield, in Orchard Square, I went in to get a speaker and the le- the, the floor you walk in TK Maxx in is, it just happens to be the women's department, right? And it's in that bit that they have most of their tech. So they have, you know, um what are those chargers called? Like charger packs that you can charge your phone on. They have those there. They have other little bits of audio, like headphones, I think down there as well. Just general techie stuff is there. And I, but I couldn't find any portable speakers. So I said to one of the assistants, excuse me, where are your portable speakers? And she went, oh yeah, they're upstairs in the men's. And I just thought to myself, your portable speakers are upstairs in the men's. And I, right? Now, let me just pause that thought there for a minute. And I just want to talk to you about gender politics and gender stereotyping. Now, this is the bit that's going to make you think bellend. And I'm just going to come out and say it. Usually, gender politics and gender stereotyping doesn't anger me. I don't get angry over pay inequality. When men get paid more than men, um, when men get paid more than women, it doesn't anger me. However, it confuses me enormously. I don't get it. I don't get how we're in 2020 and men are getting paid more than women for the same job. The only slight caveat to that, and when I'm okay with it, is I have no problem, for example, with, let's say, let's say we had a new TV channel that launched in the UK. Let's call it Channel Six, right? And they their flagship sports program, right? They had a flagship sports program, and they tried to poach Gary Lineker from the BBC, and they offered him two million pounds a year. If they offered Gary Lineker two million pounds a year to front that show, but they offered, let's say, what's that women's England football team captain called? Who's now a pundit? She's called Alex something. Alex Scott? I think she's called Alex Scott. She's a really good pundit now. So if they offered Gary Lineker £2 million, but they offered Alex Scott, um, I don't know, £500,000 a year for that gig, I would be totally fine with that. Why? Because I would argue, and in fact, I'd be very comfortable arguing, that Gary Lineker is going to bring significantly more viewers because he's got like 20 plus years 
as a pundit under his belt and 20 plus years of accumulating um, an enormous fan base. Not to mention, God knows how many years he was playing football. So just from a marketing standpoint, I get why you're not, it's not, you're not, you're not paying per se for someone that's going to do the same thing. They absolutely are going to do the same thing on paper, but it's what they're going to bring to the to the table. And Galenik is just going to bring infinitely more viewers. So you're paying for that. You're paying for his legacy. You're paying for his... What's what I'm looking for? You're paying for all the baggage that Garolinica brings. I would argue the fact what he actually does on screen is, is a smaller portion of what you're buying. Right, so that's when I'm okay with inequality. But if that Channel 6 is going to hire two relative nobodies and one is male or one is female, then I, I would insist they both get paid the same. Now, but the thing is, although I find gender inequality confusing and bewildering and slightly incredulous, it doesn't anger me because as we've established over the weeks, very, very few things anger me. I try as hard as I possibly can to limit the amount of shits I give in any given week. Um, It's just, I just think it makes for a more serene existence to just limit how many shits you give. And, you know, as far as I'm aware, the last time I spoke about something on this podcast that really pissed me off, I think it was... <laughs> in fact, I know it was it was episode 27, wasn't it? And that episode was called It's All My Fault. And that, I think it was episode 27. Let me just do a quick check. Oh no, episode 21, forgive me. Episode 21 called It's All My Fault. And that was the episode when I spoke, amongst other things, about the shop assistant in Morrison's. That's a supermarket in the UK for my non English listeners. That's a supermarket in the UK called Morrison's. And there was a guy working in the bakery and he was packing the cookies that they make in store into the packaging. He wasn't wearing gloves and I wanted to kill. Okay. Wanted to kill him is strong, but I absolutely wanted to punch him. <laughs> just, just for hygiene purposes, just go back to episode 21 and I'll, I, I outline it in detail. But that's the last that, that's the last time I can remember getting really angry about something. So anyway, back to the story. So this assistant said that the speakers were upstairs. And for the first time within the context of of, of gender stereotyping like why why are the speakers in the men's section? Like don't women want to listen to their music with with audio glee of course i do like why have you moved the speakers upstairs to the men and i could i could feel myself getting actually angry at that and i thought oh proud of you champ i'm proud of you i'm really proud of you this is the first time that you've actually genuinely and with sincerity of heart got indignant about gender stereotyping or gender profiling if you like but there wasn't that much time to pat myself on the back because I quickly realised the only reason I was pissed off is I had to walk upstairs and I couldn't be asked. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, hang on, hang on. So women have struggled with inequality and being perceived as less than for hundreds, maybe thousands of years. And the only time... You join in the disdain is 
the time when your knees hurt and you can't be asked to walk upstairs. Wow. Wow. This is, you've just plummeted to new depths, CK. Wow. And it was at that precise moment that I just realised, you really are a selfish fuck. And I think I've been aware of my, (laughs) I think I've been aware of my (sighs) tunnel vision when it comes to what matters over, over the years. But that was, that was just new depths. But look, guys, I can't lie. My knees have hurt this week. <laughs> and I don't even know why. I've never I've never been a fan of running, jogging. I don't do it. So what's, what's, what's happened with my knees? Age, dude. That's what's wrong with your knees. Age. I just wanted to share that story with you. It's an absolute truth. Genuine. There's no elaboration involved there. There's no embellishments. Both things I'm fond of, as you know, but there's none in there. That's genuinely what happened. She said the speakers are upstairs. I I got annoyed. Why have you assumed that only men are interested in speakers and great audio experiences? Then I realised the only reason I was pissed off is I had to walk and I couldn't be asked. So I don't know what that says about me, but I would argue it doesn't say anything good. <laughs> Worst of all, Worst of all, I didn't find any speakers I wanted, serving to only heighten my r- rage, by the way. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. It is what it is. On the topic of gender, on the topic of gender, let's go through, let's go through some of your comments following last week's episode, which I loved did you know by the way that there's a playlist on spotify called best of worry about it later podcast i like to pretend someone has created except i'd like to pretend someone's created because i love it but that person is me i have created a playlist called um the best of because i just wanted a playlist of my favorite episodes in case anybody ever wants to pick some highlights so Last week's episode called Attractive Experiment, episode 31, went straight in there. I love last week. Had a lot of fun with you. And your feedback suggests you had a lot of fun with me too, which is what I demand of this show. So let me go through. Let me go through your comments where I asked if there was a pill that gave you 10 out of 10 for hotness, would you take it? Um, I have some... I had one comment on Instagram from Char Bailey. How do you measure how attractive someone is? Attractive to who? Love your work, bro. Well, that's a valid point, but I think I did stipulate in that episode. I can't remember if I did it, but I meant to. Certainly, I was hoping that you would assign attractiveness based on your own barometers. Like, we all like different things. Some fucking weirdos like feet. Oh, God me sick that actually is another thing that makes me angry people that like feet but we'll save that for another episode yeah you know whatever you find attractive that is your 10 out of 10 right okay so that was my answer to you char here's i had zingisa on facebook writes i would not take the pill 
I find it more fascinating to observe society from the fringes, I guess. The introvert in me would not cope. And if I gave a toss what people thought, coming off the high of being a 10 out of 10, all that attention coming off it would be too cruel. So I think what she's saying is that to sample being a 10 out of 10 and getting getting all that attention, be it be it sexual attention or be it the perks that I predicted would come from being a 10 out of 10 last week. I think Zingisa is saying that just living with that and then coming off it would be cruel. I never considered that, but I'm not saying that you can only, I think, I don't think I stipulated you can only have one pill. You can have, if you loved it that much, then take another pill. You know, top up. It lasts a month. Have another one. 250 quid a pop. Bargain. So that was Zingis's view. Uh, what else do I have here? I had like a really... I had a really... this Okay, I'm going to go straight on to the incredibly deep and slightly saddening message that I got. I'm going to read you... It's quite a long one, but I'm just going to read you maybe half of it. Hi, CK. Listening to your latest podcast about taxing level 10 attractive people brought out so many different thoughts and feelings. By the way, guys, I also said that people that are 10 out of 10 should be taxed more. That was slightly tongue-in-cheek, but I did say it. So this anonymous direct message continues. I completely understand how a person can be so attractive, yet so likable. I often think to myself, how am I not hating you? You are perfectly perfect, beautiful, lovely personality, a great conversationalist, yet I don't hate you. Why? Are you from this earth? Hmm. Is it some kind of magic? I feel inferior, yet I still can't hate you, you beautiful butterfly. I actually thought she was talking about me at one point. She continues, I'm that little moth that keeps burning itself on the light trying to escape, yet I still can't hate you. Being myself is hard, especially around those special people. I find myself becoming a person which suits other people, which makes them comfortable. I use humour as a barrier. It's like protection. It's so easy to lose who you are. Back to taxing the beautiful people of this world. Should they be taxed? I don't know. I just wish they would leave some people not so bewitched for when you are only... Oh, for for when you are ordinary, it's so hard. I'd take a lifetime worth of level 10 pills, please. To feel even just a little worth the glow of a beautiful person would be wonderful. Is it okay to pay in installments? Then she goes on to discuss the message I sent, the cute girl that I met at one of my events, which made me feel awkward, but we'll leave it there. And now, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what to make about this. Um, it's... Uh, the thing is, I, a lot, you know, when I was going on about, I was staring at this guy thinking he's far too handsome. This is annoying me. I was, that was true. I was staring at the guy thinking, Jesus, you handsome bastard. But he wasn't actually annoying me as such. And I don't know that it's ideal to feel less than someone who's 
super hot. I think it's fine to be curious about what that would be like, which is definitely 100% my stance. But feeling less than, I wouldn't recommend it. And it's a shame that Anonymous feels that way. Because, you know, we've all got our thing. We've all got our... We all just have our thing that we're immense at and no one else gets close. Or in my analogy with the attractive guy, when I was trying to search for something that I was better than than he was, I was better at being tall. (laughs) As we established, I was taller than the guy. And I enjoyed that for all of one second before I realised that height is nothing. So... I have two things to conclude this bit with. Uh, Go back to last week's episode, episode 31, if you're new to this podcast. Hi, by the way. Go back to episode 31. It's called Attractiveness Experiment. And I outline my entire thoughts on super hot people in that. My second point is anonymous. If there's one thing I will say for you, and I know that this is the most feeble of all consolation prizes, and I can't actually believe the following words are going to come out of my mouth, but you write beautifully. <laughs> I actually, I didn't want to say that because I just, I just had a vision. I just had a vision of this anonymous person putting her cards on the table and telling someone that she's really attracted to him. And just imagine if he said, oh, oh, I'm so flattered. Thank you so much, but... I just don't feel the same way. But you're right really well. (laughs) That is the most pathetic of all, of all consolations. I would rather someone said, it's not you, it's me, than you're right beautifully, genuinely. Actually, I don't know that word because I do pride my use. I do pride myself, my command of punctuation and grammar. Anyway, not important. Anonymous, your writing is exquisite, beautifully punctuated. That was the first thing I noticed. But that in of itself isn't saying much because most people nowadays can't write for shit. So I've even taken your shitty consolation away from you. Just <laughs> um, that Yes, there we go. That's something else that actually does infuriate me. Poor punctuation. I'm glad to see more people on Twitter talking about how sexy good punctuation is, by the way. I've been seeing that a lot recently, and I agree, it is. Um, Why am I talking about this? Why am I talking about finding commas and colons and apostrophes hot? That's weird. I wonder if there... I wonder if... There's an... Hang on a minute. There's a kink for everything in the world. I'm just going to pout... Hang on. I'm I'm just going on to Google. There is literally a kink for everything. So I'm going to see... I'm going to put into Google, and you can do this with me. Attracted to punctuation. Let's see if there is such a thing as attracted to punctuation. Um, why is using is using punctuation a turn off? Tinder. I'm a thirty year old male and find proper punctuation and grammar a lot more attractive on girls. Well, this looks might be worth reading. Um, no, apparently there isn't a term for people that find good punctuation what's this guy writing here sorry i'm on reddit i've just opened i'm a 30 i'm 31 and don't know where everyone collectively and seemingly younger than me decided to not use any punctuation and send texts multiple one lines like this hey yeah that's cool 
Um, I'm a 30 year old male and find proper punctuation and grammar a lot more attractive on girls. Casual slang is fine if they only use it sometimes, but I don't like wondering if they're even capable of writing correctly. I can, yeah, I can, yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. I don't think it's anything against punctuation per se, more so that an app like Tinder, short texts are more visually appealing. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Anyways, all right, that was a strange caveat we didn't need to explore. The, there is not a term for finding good grammar hot. Oh, I'm going to minute cut. Yes, there is. Sad prick. Oh, according to Google, it's called sad prick. Right, good. Don't know if that's a scientific term. Right, okay, look, let me conclude today. By the way, thank you sincerely for your comments and you're always welcome to send me them anonymously via direct message or just tweet me or send me something on Instagram. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, just say hi. I always enjoy, as you know, reading your comments and telling you I find your commas hot. So new feature and it is basically, it's called CK's Crummy book ck's crummy book it's like a journal but shitter let me tell you about ck's crummy book as mark my professional voiceover mate just said it is like a journal but shitter and i've had this notebook i wish i remember when i bought it because it looks like i bought it in 600 BC. It's an absolute tap fest. And I, it, it, I've had it for so many years and I just write, it's just, I just write shit in it whenever I need to write shit in it. But I got a little bit sick of writing shit in it. And one of my biggest shortcomings is I don't write stuff down enough. When I'm talking about stuff, I don't just mean aimless thoughts. I mean goals, objectives. I've never been good at writing goals and objectives. I think I might have alluded to this before. If I haven't, I'll allude to it in future episodes because I don't want to can't be asked today but yeah I've never been good at writing stuff down but I've been watching a lot of just nourishing content over the last month or so and you know interview series podcasts YouTube series just interesting debates discussions thoughts spiritual insights and a lot of them inspire me and set me up for the day so I'd started writing them down and my intention is to write all these down as I as I, as I discover them and then start my day by going through these because if I'm honest with you the way I start my day is incredibly unhealthy and counterproductive to healthy state of mind it's usually just reaching for the phone and seeing what shit people are spouting on twitter if I'm honest, I know that isn't uncommon. I know that is how many of us start our day, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Twitter. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm just, I'm just like, why are you doing that? There's nothing of value. There's nothing of value to find there. And I thought if I start writing down stuff that I agree, that, that I, I agree with, that makes sense to me, that inspires me, that just gets me into a positive mindset to start the day that'd be that'd be good so I started writing stuff down I'm gonna be honest with you guys I've got 
probably 30 odd entries in here since I started in early August, but I haven't been starting my day with it. And that is just a habit thing. The older I get, the more aware I am of how entrenched, how entrenched habits become and how immovable they are. It's just, it's just unbelievable how hard it is to develop new habits, especially when you're an old piece of shit with crap knees, right? So I haven't been starting my mornings with this and it's just odd, but at the very least I've accumulated, you know, 30 quotes that I just really like. And I figured I would share them with you because I'm just fascinated to know if they resonate with anyone else other than I. So every week I'm going to share with you some of the stuff I've been writing down and I've decided to start with one that came from Nikki. Nikki Glazer, as you know, I've been referencing Nikki Glazer a lot in the previous few episodes. She's a US comedian, rather successful, love her podcast. Take a moment to check it out on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's called You Up, Y-O-U space Up U-P. Each episode, it's a daily podcast, roughly 35 minutes. I just like her. Um, I just love her casual chat. So Nikki has a very turbulent relationship with her mental health and she generally leans towards money rather than positive. And she has bouts of depression. She's very candid with it. And she said something about a week ago that really made a lot of sense to me. And certainly as an overthinker, it made so much sense. And she said so much of depression comes from thinking about yourself excessively. Help someone else. Let me just read that back again. So much of depression comes from thinking about yourself excessively. Help someone else. And the minute she said that, I thought about an artist that I helped earlier on. No, it was late last year called Jamie Wilkinson. And I don't know, really, I'm not going to go into it too much, but he's just an artist. He's an incredible painter. He paints, he paints portraits of celebrities. They are remarkable. And he's one of those people that there's no reason he shouldn't be A, famous, and B, making a living from his art. He's not either, because he makes a living as a school lab technician. You know, when you're at school and you used to go go into like a physics lesson, well, a bio, biology lesson, and there'd be like some hydrochloric acid, a Bunsen burner, and a dead frog, right? Well, he's the guy that sets all those things up as a lab technician. He's 27, I think. Uh, no, 27, 30, something like that. And that's how he sustains himself. But he's, 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 his art just blows my mind. So I just, I just, uh, someone introduced me to him last year. I took him under my wing. I said, I'm going to do everything I can to make you more visible. As you know, I do PR for, for brands and entrepreneurs and stuff. So I did everything I do for them, for him, for free. I didn't want a penny for it. I gave him the whole shebang. I did a load of promo videos for him. I wrote and produced a big stunt, a big stunt. Um, he was in the newspapers and now he's got an exclusive contract with a retail outlet to sell his art for roughly a grand a time. So that went really well. But my point is this, the fact, the time I spent developing content for him all for free and everything I did for him, reaching out to the press, getting him in newspapers, getting making his video go viral on Facebook, the time I spent 
without getting a penny back for it. It felt for, it felt absolutely immense. I genuinely, I didn't even resent it. And I think part of the reason I didn't resent it is because he's just such a nice, humble guy. Not got a knobhead gene in him. So, and he was, I just liked hanging out with him because he wasn't aware of how talented he was and I just wanted to help him out. So my point is, I have learned in the past that helping other people does actually help when you're feeling a bit shit because often when you're feeling a bit shit, it's because you're worrying about yourself and thinking about yourself so much. So that is why that quote by Nikki went straight into CK's crummy book because I genuinely love it. And I'm curious to hear whether you have any experience of that. Have you ever been in a place of discontent, disillusionment, mild to extreme depression? I don't know. And did you find helping someone else alleviated that somewhat? If you haven't had the benefit of, of learning that, then I can 100% endorse it. I know it to be true. And by virtue of that, this is something else I've wanted to do as well, but I've not done it yet because I don't think I want more. I don't want more. I don't want to be present any more than I already am on social media. So the thing is, I've for, for so, so long, I've wanted to create a group on Facebook or whatever, where artists of any discipline, I don't care what your art is, just a group where artists can come to me and just ask me for tips on how to be more visible, how to get their work more seen, how to be placed in more reputable platforms, whether it's, whether it's big websites or whether it's, you know, newspapers, popular newspapers, TV, radio, whatever. Like if anybody wants to get on it or somebody wants some ideas on how to create disruptive content or stunts like the ones that I do that often get featured in press. I just wanted to have like a group where artists can just come on once a week, just chat with each other, chat with me, and I'll just give you my honest opinions and give you some tips, ideas, and you know, I can even go over your press releases with you. I've wanted to do that for as long as I can con conceive of, but I've just not done it because although I know the value to artists and to myself, I... I think I'm on social too much as ready as it is. And I just want to get into a place when I'm more content and I'll probably do something like that. But in the interim, if you're an artist listening to this podcast, here's an exclusive little treat and a thank you for listening to this podcast. If you are an artist and you've never written a press release in your life, you don't even know what a press release is, or if you have a cool idea that you'd like to get placed in more places, just send me a direct message or tweet me with what it is and I'll do what I can to help you. Um, take it forward because I can certainly handle I can certainly handle that within the context of this podcast but a group on Facebook is probably a step too far at the moment so that is my little is olive branch the right term no not even close dickhead but that is my little token or my little offer if you're an artist you don't even have to be an artist whatever if you if you're doing cool stuff and you would like to get more attention on it then just say hi on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram and I guarantee I will do all I can to assist and I will charge you nothing. Just maybe tell people about what a nice guy I am who doesn't lie in order to get placed in newspapers, but does place his arthritic knees before sexual equality. Thank you very much.